Good morning, ZF family. Um, I'm here in our prayer and gathering room at our church building. And by the time you hear this message, it'll be uh, Sunday morning. It's Saturday morning right now for me, but Sunday morning when you hear this, I'll actually be hearing this with you, with my own family, probably huddled around a screen like some of you. So even in light of that, we'll keep this briefer than it usually is for a sermon for us as a church family. Uh, Chris Poor is with me here uh, to help make this video uh, happen, so grateful for him. And I hope you've been able to use our Sunday worship guide that Dave Smith prepared for us as a church family to use. It has scripture readings and song links for scripture um, and lyric videos for us to use, places to pray before you get to this sermon. So if you didn't know about that or you haven't used that yet, you can even just stop this right now. Go to our website, find that worship guide, and then follow that through up until you'd come to the place where we want to listen to the sermon together as a church family and then tune back in. Um, you may be thinking, this is odd. And if you're thinking that, I am thinking it as well. I would prefer to be looking at your faces rather than to you through a screen. This isn't ideal. I look forward to us regathering together, Lord willing, as a whole church family. I can't wait for that day again. But there is a real sense in which we are gathered together in spirit and in heart. And I'm getting this from a few things that the Apostle Paul said. So he said to the people at the church in Corinth, he said this in 1 Corinthians 5.3, Though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And listen to what he said to the Thessalonian Christians after he had to leave them. He wrote this, Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. So he had to leave them physically, but he desired to see them face to face. But in the meantime, he recognized the temporary, the, the separation was temporary, um, but he was torn away in person, not in heart. So let's just think about this together and have this mindset uh, this Sunday morning here as we're listening that we're together in heart. We're doing this together as a church family, even as we long for the face-to-face -face gathering again. This also relates to how we'll do small groups as a church family. So until further notice, just as a reminder, we're shifting our small group meetings to online through a program called Zoom. Your small group leaders are being equipped with that. You'll be hearing more information about that if you haven't already. And I encourage you to lean into that all the more. Let's not take a break from community and friendship and um, all the things that we're called to do as a church to meet together, but we'll just have to do that differently for a time. And so I encourage you to do that. And then one more update. We'll be ramping up our communication with you in these in this next week and beyond. We'll send out our e-newsletter more frequently, probably weekly. We'll also have a section on our website that will have updates, resources, other reflections for you. Um, and so if you don't get any emails from us, you might want to check your spam folder folder. Um, in case it's going there, I'll assume that you didn't direct it there, but if you did, that's fine. You can redirect it into your inbox from now on or contact our church office if you'd like to sign up for those um, updates. It'll be important for us as a church family, so please do that. So we're turning to the book of Psalms together this morning, and in particular, Psalm 4. So I encourage you to grab a Bible if you haven't grabbed one already, and let's just have that open in front of us. We'll be walking through this scripture together. The book of Psalms is a magnet for us when we're in suffering. Many of you have no doubt felt that if you've been walking 
as a Christian for a number of years. They were written often out of situations of great distress, and they give voice to our distressed emotions. They're written for us to find deep hope and comfort in God in these kinds of situations. So they teach us to turn to God in our um, trials together. And so I'm going to be spending the next month immersing myself in the Psalms, or next months actually, um, weeks. So I try to read a Psalm a day anyway, um, and there's going to be even more of a focus. And so I invite you to join me. Let's just, as a church family, immerse ourselves in the Psalms together. So we can call this the ZF Psalms Immersion Plan. And here's a few ways you can think about doing this. Maybe three things to have in mind for now. Uh, one, I'd encourage you, if you don't already make a practice of this, to read out loud. Read a psalm out loud. It's helpful to engage more than just our eyes and our minds, but to use our voice, listen with our ears, um, engage our heart, um, and look at it with our eyes as well. Second, read it together. Read it in community. So if you have a roommate or family or you're married and you have a spouse, read a psalm together once a day. Maybe in the morning, maybe before you go to bed at night, and then respond in prayer to that psalm. And then that would be the third thing, read responsively. So maybe read it out loud one time through to get the sense of it, and then pray through it. Take each line or two and turn it into a kind of prayer of thanksgiving or confession or asking God for something in request. Well, let's look at Psalm 4 together. Um, this was on my mind uh, because it's particularly relevant for us today. Psalm 4 is about finding inward peace in the midst of outward trial, and that's what our whole world needs right now. King David wrote this 3,000 years ago, and this ancient psalm is relevant to every moment of every day and even now. So here's what he's doing. He's, you know, Psalm 4, it's out of this darkness and the dirt of this situation, this flower blooms of Psalm 4. And what David's doing is he's teaching us how to find confidence and joy in God in the midst of our hardest times. So let's read this together. Psalm 4. To the choir master with stringed instruments, a psalm of David. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned to shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You've put more joy in my heart. This is the verse that led me to this psalm, by the way, for us. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine, wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Why don't we pray together? Father, we thank you as a church family that we can be present in heart and that we can know that your presence is with us by your spirit. And so please speak to us. 
as we've just heard your voice through Psalm 4, please continue to speak to us in this time to give us the kind of peace that only you can give and equip us to shine brightly in our world, in our neighborhoods in this season. We pray for revival and renewal to come to your people and to our towns and cities. We don't know what you're up to, but we know that you are working. You're working for our good and you're working for the spread of the gospel. And so we are grateful to be a part of this. So please help us in this time in whatever way uh, you want. In Jesus' name, amen. So this psalm, as we read it, had three main movements. It shows us the trouble we face, the guidance we need, and the peace only God can give. So let's consider this together. We'll be briefer than normal. So first, the trouble we face in these first couple of verses. David opens this psalm by crying out in distress. So you can read this with me in verse 1. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. So David was in some kind of past distress. God gave him relief. And now he's either still in a measure of distress or this is another time where he's in distress and he's crying out to God to give him help in that distress. So he's experiencing some kind of deep damaging of his reputation. We see that in verse 2. He speaks to men, O oh men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? So there's a number of situations in David's life where he was dishonored by people, where rumors spread about him, false accusations spread about him, and it caused people to speak uh, and think poorly of him. But this is all fairly general. We can't really pinpoint a time in David's life when this specifically came about, and that's actually probably intentional, and that's really good news for us. There's a number of scholars who have noted that the Psalms are often more general on purpose because they're written to be used by others, by us. So this was written out of David's experience, but he leaves details aside and speaks in a way that people like you and me can enter into his distress and his hope and help. And so we see that even in how he began the psalm, right? In the heading, to the choir master with stringed instruments. So here's David's very personal psalm, but the heading here is a note to the choir master who's going to lead in the people singing this song together. So here's the point. This is general on purpose because it's here for you and it's here for me. David knew that the kind of suffering that he experienced was common to everyone. So we can enter into this as our own song this morning. That's why it's here. So I know some of you have been anxious in the past days or weeks. Maybe you've already for months had an uncertain financial future or a vocational future. And this situation with the coronavirus is making it even harder and there's more uncertainty. Um, you're not sure the impact that this is going to have on your finances right now. And that can be troubling to consider. Some of you may be anxious about your own health, the health of your family members, your parents, um, friends, neighbors. This is particularly hard because of how uncertain everything is right now. We don't know how long this will last. I don't know how long we'll be having to communicate like this. Um, we don't know how long we'll have to be in some kind of a social distancing situation. We don't know how vast the 
impact of this virus is going to be. We don't even know what it's what's going on right now with limitings of testing and such. And so how do we respond as Christians or as those who are trying to consider what it would mean to follow Jesus? Well, the second part of the psalm shows us the guidance we need. So verses 3 to 5, David starts giving guidance. Now, it's not clear, at least to me, who he's talking to at this point. He's He could be still talking to these enemies of sort who are dragging his reputation into the dirt, or he could be talking to the readers, the singers like us, who would sing this song together or pray this prayer together. Either way, what he's doing is he's giving guidance for people to leave their present situation, um, at least mentally in their interiority, and transition into a kind of peace and joy. So this is a practical guide for us. David's giving us steps, the steps we need right now. We don't need to wait until this virus passes and things get restored to whatever normal might be to have peace. God can give it today. So the Lord is helping us here in this psalm. So what are the steps? There's five of them. First step in any trial is to turn to God. David began this psalm in prayer. And now in verse three, listen to what he says. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. So you can just sense how personal and relational that is. That stood out to me this these past few days as I was studying this. The Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The godly. Uh, not people who, you know, don't sin or something. Uh, this is people who know they're sinners and they take refuge in Jesus. They take refuge in God's forgiveness. They're relying on him to transform their hearts. Uh, to grow. And notice that he set us apart for himself, not first for a task. He sets us apart for a relationship, to be his children and friends. Thomas Goodwin, uh, many of you want to know uh, one of my favorite pastors and authors from the 1600s. He put it this way, when God chooses a person, he chooses him for himself, for himself to converse with, to communicate himself to as a friend, a companion, and his delight. I love what a few people noted on the internet this uh, past week. Even though we have to distance ourselves socially from one another, aren't we glad that God is not socially distancing himself from us? And even our distancing, um, I wish there was a better phrase, because distancing ourselves physically doesn't mean socially distancing ourselves. We need each other. And there's so many ways in which we can connect with one another, even staying at a distance. In fact, I saw um, one one guy, he or one family lives in a cul-de-sac and they're every day at five having kind of a happy hour where any neighbors can come and stand you know, six feet apart from each other and talk. And there was this video of them all just kind of six feet away from each other talking because we need each other. You know, and maybe there's going to be recommendations that come out to say even that would be dangerous uh, to our health. We need wisdom. We need to keep learning here. Um, but having being several feet away or even having to stay in, in, our, in our homes or just around our homes doesn't mean we don't need each other. So end of that sidebar, we are connected with the Lord. He's with us. And so we pray to him. So let's keep the real God in view. This God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit who loves us, who delights in us, who is with us. Second step, verse four, this is surprising to me. Be angry. And do not sin. You may feel angry right now. 
not all of your anger may be wrong. We should feel angry at certain things. Uh, Jesus himself, when he was at the tomb of his friend Lazarus, um, there's indications that, that that should be translated that he, he snorted in anger. He wasn't just weeping at death, he was angry at death. So there can be a good, righteous anger. But the caution here is strong. Be angry and don't sin. Most of our anger is tainted or consumed with sin. So don't be angry with God. Don't be angry with those who live with you. Uh, this is harder to live together right now. Don't get angry at government leaders. Pray for them. Don't walk around just with a general sense of anger. Don't get angry at the people who are in line uh, shopping near you. And there's a lot of bad attitudes at the grocery stores right now, uh, which is why they even have police inside of those um, places right now. As Christians, uh, we should be setting a different tone. And I'm sure many of you, not all of you are. Uh, and if you do get angry and sin, uh, let's not be discouraged. The Lord welcomes you to return to him, to repent. So we go back to step one and we pray this time a prayer of confession and ask for his forgiving grace and his healing power in our heart. You know, if the Lord chose us for himself, he set us apart for fellowship with himself. Then when we break the fellowship, he's eager to have us back. And the pathway is hard, but it's simple. We just turn back to him with repentance and faith. Third step, find solitude and meditate on the Lord. The next line of verse four, you can look at it with me. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. The word for ponder means to speak. So there's this kind of internal speaking in your heart going on, an inward speaking, an inner, internal thinking. We do this all the time already. And that's what we're doing when we're worrying. And isn't it interesting, I find it interesting, that he says uh, to do this on your beds. That's when I find that I worry the most. I lay down and sometimes I can't get to sleep because my mind is just running with the problems that I'm trying to solve in my head or the problem I don't think can be solved. I'm worried about something. And then sometime in the middle of the night when I wake up and maybe wouldn't even be typically aware of being awake because I go to sleep so quickly right after that, um, in times of worry, I wake up at that point and then my mind is just filled with the concerns and then I can't get back to sleep. Some of you uh, can probably relate to that. And so David is calling us to a healthier heart pondering. And this is hard. I mean, I had this on my mind even last night. I woke up and I, it was hard to do this. Um, but this is, this is the pathway toward peace. These Psalms often speak about meditating on God's word and on God himself and sometimes throw in this note about doing this in the night or on our beds. First Peter 5 says this, so this is something to have in mind when we're on our beds worried. Cast your anxieties on the Lord, for he cares for you. I love that this says cast your anxieties on the Lord because he cares for you, which means uh, we don't have to cast our anxieties on him, get really good at that, and then in response he'll care for us. He already does. When we're worried and maybe not even thinking about him, he's caring for us and he's inviting us to give him our problems, to give our hearts to him rather than our problems, to give our emotions to him rather than our problems. So we cast our anxieties on him. And David says, be silent. Uh, I would encourage you, if you haven't been able to do this already, to find some stretch of time every day to get alone with the Lord in silence. Um, get up early if you have to. Find 15 minutes, 
half hour, maybe the end of the day. Families, you can help each other do this. Free each other up to get this time away. Uh, our thoughts, um, emails, texts, news headlines, they're, they're flooding us with information and, and we're reeling. And we've got to slow down and just pause and ponder on the Lord and his word. Fourth, offer right sacrifices. The sacrifice the Lord treasures most is the gift of our whole self. So Romans 12 says that our spiritual worship is to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. So in this season, let's resist this urge to turn inward on ourself. Uh, let's give ourselves to the Lord, to his mission for us, to one another, to our neighbors. And as we fail to do this at times, let's then give him the other kind of sacrifice he loves. David talks about this in Psalm 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. So we turn to him for fresh forgiveness, for a renewed heart, and he loves to do it. Final step, verse 5. Put your trust in the Lord. Now that could be translated, trust toward the Lord. That's why, that's why it's a good translation. Put your trust in the Lord. Like put it in the Lord. There's a directional movement here. It's, it's taking our trust wherever it's oriented right now in directing it toward the Lord and putting it in him. Now that helps me. Sometimes we hear the phrase trust in the Lord and it can become so cliche that we don't even think about what that means or we can um, think that it means something like believe that he exists. But that's just a fraction of it. The reality is we are all putting our trust in something moment by moment. Uh, and the question really is, what is it that you're putting your trust in? Sometimes we're not aware. And so this would be a great season to grow in self-awareness. Moment by moment, your trust is in something. Where is it? Where are you placing it? What things do you direct your heart's trust toward? And so this is saying, let's not put our trust in government leaders, ultimately. Let's not put our trust in our own ability to plan and prepare for crisis. Let's not put our trust in our family or even our church family, ultimately. Let's not put our trust in our money, which may come or go. There is only one place that is secure to put our trust, and that's in the Lord Jesus. And so this takes active effort. Uh, the Christian life is not just kind of a vague idea of believing in Jesus. It's actively placing and replacing our trust in him moment by moment. I mean, our trust keeps shifting. I think of it like, you know, you get a puppy and you place a puppy on a chair and then the second you turn your back, that puppy's gone. You, you put the puppy down, you say, stay. And then you turn around and that puppy's gone again. That, that's, that's how I feel like my faith is. I place it in the Lord, especially in times of worry. I place it in the Lord and literally three seconds later, my mind's spinning somewhere else. I turn my mind to cast my anxieties in him and I pray to him. Three seconds later, I'm thinking, Literally three seconds earlier, I was trying to pray and I was planning on doing it for a number of minutes and I'm already totally gone from that. Um, and so this is a skill. There's an activeness of learning to place and replace our trust in the Lord and noticing when it's shifted away from him. So trust, in other words, is not static, it's dynamic. Um, and so we as Christians, those who trust the Lord, need to keep growing and trusting the Lord. We have degrees of faith and trust in him. And we want to strengthen that in this time. Okay, so that's the path. Now, where does this lead? So finally, the piece that 
only God can give. David ends this psalm by making a striking contrast between two kinds of joy. Look at verse 7 with me. This is incredible. David is praying here again, and listen to what he says. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. So there's a kind of joy that comes when grain and wine abound. Uh, when the harvest comes in, payday, when uh, the virus is gone and everything's back to normal and things seem to be flourishing again, when social gatherings can resume, when there's economic stability, that's the grain and wine and the kind of joy that our globe will be experiencing over time again. It's, it's a time when food isn't scarce. But David didn't say, Lord, please bring that joy. Let the grain and wine abound so we can have joy again. No, he said that God gives a deeper joy than that kind of joy, and he can give that joy in the midst of trials when grain and wine are not abounding. This is a joy that's greater than the joy that everyone will have when things get back to normal, whenever that is. And it's a joy that you and I can have now in the midst of crisis. It's a joy that God alone can give. It goes deep into our hearts. So we will be prone to be waiting and waiting and waiting for things to get better and worrying about things getting worse. And what this psalm does is it redirects us to the Lord to seek this kind of peace and joy that can burrow down into our souls now. So David's not saying that our circumstances aren't hard. He's not saying that anxiety is completely unwarranted. Uh, he's not saying that you can't even get rightly angry at times. But he is saying this, even though there's sorrow and confusion and anxiety and it may run deep, there is a joy that can run deeper. And so this goes back to the steps that we went through earlier. This is where they lead. This is where that pathway leads um, in the psalm. It leads to this place. So we turn to God in prayer. We make this habit of getting alone with him in solitude. We ponder the Lord and his word in our hearts, casting our cares on him because he cares for us. And most importantly, we keep replacing our trust in him. If we place our trust in anything else, vocation, family, finances, future stability, it's insecure. Nothing is ultimately secure except the Lord. So where does this joy leave us? The final verse, in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In safety. That's really practical. Uh, this is the kind of joy that can help us get some sleep. When our hearts rest in God, our heads can rest on our pillows. We can get to sleep. When we give him our problems, it's much easier to then get some sleep. This last verse is why Christians throughout the centuries have called this psalm an evening prayer, and they've used it that way. So I encourage you to do that with me, even tonight. Uh, as you get into bed, maybe have a copy of the Psalms, or um, this psalm in particular, or a Bible at your bedside, and read this psalm and pray it back to the Lord. Give him your worries, give him your heart, make this an evening prayer. So as we wrap up here, really brief reminder. Uh, that our purpose as Christians and as a church has not changed. We exist to glorify God by being and making disciples of Jesus Christ who are a community of worshipers on mission. 
So we still seek to honor God. We are disciples of Jesus. And there are three words that express our strategy for discipleship. That's worship, community, and mission. So as we think about worshiping in this season, let's worship our triune God together. And let's set our mind on Jesus. In this Psalm, David was in great distress. He said there's, there's sh- people are shaming him. His glory or honor was turned to shame. He's in great distress, and yet he trusted the Lord. And uh, doesn't that remind us of a coming king after David, Jesus, who in the garden at Gethsemane was in great distress. He said his soul is troubled greatly within him. And then within hours, there would be slander and false accusations all around him. Uh, and as his world went dark and the sky itself went dark as he hung on the cross, and yet through that, he did that for the joy set before him. Uh, he was trusting in his father, and he came out the other side of the grave in the resurrection. And so we look back at that event now, that real historical event, and we, we recognize that's a great source of our peace. He has made the way open to the Lord so that we know the Lord is ready any moment to hear us, and he cares for us, uh, and he's rescued us, and he forgives us. And uh, Jesus suffered for us. So let's take extra time to worship him in everyday life. That can involve going deep in his word. It can involve worshiping God by serving others, um, getting that time in solitude, being quick to repent and apologize to people that we live with that um, we're difficult with or sin against. Second, community. This is going to look different for a while, but we're still a church family. We still need each other. We still need friendship. People need our friendship. And so David wrote this psalm to encourage others. Even in his distress, he's thinking of other people. How can I encourage them? How can I take my experience and give words to it so that other people, like us now today, can enter into this with him? And so let's pray for one another. Let's let's write texts or emails or letters to one another. Let's do voice um, or video conferencing with one another. And in all this, let's talk about not just the latest update um, that we're learning from the news, but just how our souls are doing, what we're learning in God's word, and encourage one another. And then finally, mission. Our mission uh, to make disciples of Jesus. I want to encourage you, this has not stopped. We are not, as a church, uh, taking a break from things. We're not kind of stepping back and saying, okay, we're going to have to pause on our mission to make disciples. This is actually a new, unique opportunity to lean in and see God work through us. Throughout church history, there are so many cases when plagues or diseases spread, Christians were bright shining lights moving in to help others, and people became Christians, and the the church grew, and the gospel spread, and the Lord Jesus received even more worship. So your friends and neighbors, for many of them, You are their best shot at hearing about Jesus. And they need him. My neighbors need him. And so someone posted a note online, I'll end with this, saying that he's praying for millions to be able to say this when this coronavirus thing's all over. I became a Christian during the coronavirus. What a great perspective. Uh, So let's do that together. Why don't we pray? Our Father, we thank you for your word and your presence and your kind-hearted help. Thank you for caring for us and bringing us to yourself. We pray that you would strengthen us to be and make disciples of your Son. We pray that you give comfort to those who need it, convict those who need it, challenge and exhort those who need it, 
Encourage those who weep. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, may the love of God the Father and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the near and felt fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Love you all.